Thank you for checking out today's devotions. Pastor Nancy has been using the book of Philippians in her devotions. Pastor Brian has been giving updates from our mission partnerships and his devotions. And in my devotions with you, we've been looking at the book of Daniel. It was written during the Babylonian captivity of the Israelites. And we've been looking at it for insights and uh, suggestions and ways in which we cannot just simply survive in our COVID-19 captivity, but to thrive. Well, we've reached chapter five in our study and we're introduced to a new king. His name is Belshazzar. He is the last Babylonian king of the Babylonians. He's co-regent with his father, and literally on the eve of the Persians conquering Babylon, this occurs. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, or really in terms of a line of kings, not directly his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. It was in no doubt a frightening experience, the hand of the Most High God. His wife will eventually direct him to find Daniel, who she remembered was a Magi advisor to King Nebuchadnezzar and had translated many of his dreams or interpreted many of his dreams. And he will do that. We'll see that next time together. But this was truly a fearful warning, a fearful message. But the thing that stands out to me about it is that God uses his hand or he uses the likeness of a human hand to write. He could have just simply made the words appear. Why use a hand to do the writing? It's intentional. And in fact, Daniel alludes to it in his explanation. When he's called in, um, the king invites him to look at what was written on the wall and tell him what it means. Daniel does not like this king. He is very blunt and very honest with him. And he says to him, but you, Belshazzar, his son, again, in the lineage of a king, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. That is, you knew everything that happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you had your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drink wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze and iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God. Now listen to this. You did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. The hand itself was a reminder 
a warning to Belshazzar that God, the Most High, holds his life in his hand. That hand was meant to frighten him, to certainly get his attention. Uh, in fact, when I, I read this and was thinking about the hand of God, it immediately reminded me of a particular sermon. It's a sermon that every seminarian is aware of, has had to read it. Every religious study major has read it as well. It's a famous sermon by Jonathan Edwards called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He preached it in 1741 to his congregation in Massachusetts, and it was one of the sermons that began what's called the Great Awakening, one of the great spiritual awakenings in the United States. It is a model of hellfire and brimstone kind of preaching. Uh, in it, he talks of, about uh, our lives being dangled from God's hands over the fires of hell. It was meant to frighten his congregation, those that did not know Jesus Christ. Just as this hand writing on the wall of King Belshazzar's palace was meant to frighten him. But if you look at, if you do a search of hand of God, a scriptural search, you'll find that the majority of times it's used is not used in a frightening way. Now, there are times where it says the hand of God was against someone, then of course it is uh, frightening. But most of the times it was a reference to God's hand being upon someone a way of saying that the Holy Spirit was with them or that God was with them. In fact, if you Google hand of God, you will find a particular soccer game in 1986 had a play in it that's called the hand of God goal. I'll leave it to you to go read about that. But unlike Belshazzar's experience with the hand of God, and unlike Jonathan Edwards' sermon, sinners in the hands of an angry God. For the most part, when scriptures talk about God's hands, it's used in a very positive, comforting way, especially in difficult times. In fact, if you look at the history of the song, he's got the whole world in his hands. It came out of the slave fields of the South. It was written to remind the slaves that while they are oppressed and abused, God still yet is sovereign, that God had their lives in his hands. It's a great reminder for us in our captivity, while it is not oppressive and abusive as being held captive in Babylon or held captive to a slave owner, yet it's a great reminder to us that when we are in this time of difficulty, that we are in God's hands. Jesus said this, in John chapter 10, verse 14, he said, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then he goes on to say, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Christian, know this, in these uncertain times and in the face of an uncertain future, you are in God's hands. Nothing comes to your life that doesn't first come through the hand of God. And with it comes God's strength, God's power, God's protection, 
God's comfort, God's grace. Nothing can overwhelm you in God's hand. Amen? All by myself. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you have us, that our life is held by you, that nothing that enters our life comes to it as a surprise to you, that those difficult things that come to our life are also met with the strength and the power and the grace and the comfort to meet them. For as we dwell in your hand and as our life is held by you, Lord, you know what it is we need to be sustained, to be encouraged, to be lifted up, and to be protected. And so, Lord, as you hold us in your hands, may we completely trust you and wholly trust you. And remember, he does have the whole world in his hands. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said wherever they are, amen.